Okay, guys, uh, grab your Bibles and open them back to um, Romans chapter 10. And we may just finish verse 9 tonight after um, six weeks in it. Um, I will say this. Uh, actually, we've really covered two verses. We've really covered verses 9 and 10. Let, let me read those to you because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You will be saved, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You notice really that Paul is repeating himself in terms of the the role of the heart and the mouth uh, there in verse 10. So really, if you cover verse 9, you have also covered verse 10. So, we uh, we didn't cover just one verse in, in six weeks, we covered two verses in six weeks. Um, let me do this again. Uh, I hope this helps you, just giving you a kind of an outline of where we are. The whole subject is that of saving faith. That is, verse Romans 9.10 is a summary of saving faith. <clears throat> the first point that we've looked at for six weeks has been the content. The content of saving faith. There were basically two parts. Uh, one was the resurrection that we covered last week. The other thing, really, I would call in the incarnation. Uh, that is, that God became flesh, that Jesus uh, is Lord. That's what's stated in the text. Uh, but that was <clears throat> had to do with the content of saving faith. Okay? Tonight, we, we move to the second um, feature of this definition that Paul gives us. And that has to do with the character of saving faith. That is, that this content must be believed from the heart. The nature of saving faith is that this content is something that is grasped and embraced at the heart. That's what I mean when I say the character of of saving faith. All of that content that we spent six weeks covering, that must be believed with my heart. Now, gang, there's just no limit to what could be said concerning the way that the Bible uses the term heart. Um, We're going to look at a few and only a few, but you must understand that the way that the term heart is being used in the Old and New Testament it is a reference to the center of my being. It is the, the totality of everything that I am. Our problem is not an intellectual problem. It is not the head. It is the heart that is the problem. I'm reading to you now from Romans chapter 1, verse 21, where uh, Paul makes this statement, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. (laughs) That's the state of the unregenerate heart. It's darkened. It is um, at the center of the being of man, he refuses, he refuses with 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 all of his being, he refuses, refuses to give God glory and to yield to him. And so the problem is the condition of the heart. And so that is the thing that all that I am, every, every part of me, 
uh, has to give glad, willing obedience and um, and belief in those the, that content that we looked about looked at. Let me read you this. This is out of Acts 16, verses 13 and 14. Um, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate, out of the, outside of the gate to the riverside, where we supposed that there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke uh, to the women who had come together. Now, listen, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention. Guys, here's just another statement. This is out of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Uh, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown our hearts, shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The problem is the heart. The foolish heart is darkened. So what does God do? He shines a, 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 a light. We're going to talk about that in just a second. <clears throat> that is by what, what is meant by this light that is being shown not on the intellect, not on the mind, but the heart. Gang, if the problem was intellectual, um, then education would solve it. Um, education solves... I, should, I was about to say, overstate my case, but education will not solve the problem that, that spiritual man has. Um, listen to these two statements. Again, I'm just trying to give you a grasp of um, the nature of saving faith. This is found in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. It's very familiar. I think you'll recognize it when I read it, but first I must find it. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Um, I guess my favorite, and I tell you what, why don't you take try to find this one. It's in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. That's um, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. So... <clears throat> that should help you locate. <clears throat> Guys, um, I think you know that John chapter 3 is the place where Jesus mentions the new birth, where he's talking to Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. You remember that? Well, the Old Testament version of John 3 is Ezekiel 36. Let me read just a couple of verses out of it, beginning at verse 25. God is speaking and he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Here it is. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Guys, as a result of the ravages of sin, our foolish heart is darkened and the solution is not going to be an intellectual one. The need is for us a whole new heart. Now, gang, I'm not sure that theologically you're awake right now. But if the need is for a new heart, what is being pointed to? That is, if I must believe with my heart 
and my foolish, unregenerate heart is darkened, and God says He's going to give me a new one, what is He pointing to? That is, what is, what is, what is the need if this has got to be the thing that I believe with? Well, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but the need, or this is pointing to the whole doctrine or the whole issue of regeneration. <clears throat> Guys, you know what that is? I mean, you want to, you want a synonym? How about rebirth or born again? Well, however you want to say it. But here's what I want to do tonight. Now, those of you who have taken my systematics class ought to be able to pass this test that I'm about to give you. But I'm about to give you a test. So, um, everybody close their Bibles. <clears throat> this is not an open book test. This is real simple. You got something to write with? Everybody got something to write with? Just uh, write it on the back of your hand, if you like. Um, here's the test. I'm going to give you a verse of Scripture, and I want you to give me the word that I'm going to leave out. All I want you to do is write down one word. I'm just going to ask you to give me one word. Okay? That's all I'm going to do. Because we're going to talk about this. <clears throat> and you're going to see... Um, the nature of this as a result of the test that I'm about to give you. <laughs> okay. Now, we're Christians, and we're honest with one another, are we not? I mean, we, we tell the truth to one another, do we not? Sure we do. Okay, here we go. Here's the test. I'm not tricking you. I'm going to quote the verse as best I can. And all I want you to do, I'm going to leave one word blank, and I want you to write down the word that I leave out. Okay? Are you ready for that? It's a simple test. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, and Jesus said unto him, Unless you are born again, you cannot blank the kingdom of God. Now, what word did I leave out? Just write it down. Just write the word. Unless you are born again, you cannot blank the kingdom of God. <clears throat> write the word down. Just one word. One little bitty word. Now, we're friends here, and we're all going to tell the truth, aren't we? We're all going to tell the truth together. We're all going to... <laughs> we're all going to expose ourselves <clears throat> because we're friends here. We're friends. All right, here we go. How many of you, we want to see a lifted hand, how many of you on your paper from this test just wrote down that word? Would you lift your hands and keep them up? Keep them up. Everybody look around at that. Everybody, everybody lift your hands. Everybody look around. See, see, see the rest of you have taken my systematics class, haven't you? <clears throat> <clears throat> because this test is in my systematics class. All right. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bibles now to John chapter 3, verse 3. Because I just quoted John 3, 3. <clears throat> Guys, I'm sorry about my voice. I am, I am healed from bronchitis, but my voice is not back yet. I'm, I don't know what's the problem, but I think it's post-nasal drip. 
<laughs> All right. <clears throat> Have you found John 3 yet? Because I want you to look at this. I want you to see it in all of its beauty and glory. It says, now by the, by the way, um, a good 70% of you use this word. But that's not the word. Look at John 3, 3. And Jesus said unto Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot, what's the word? See! It is not inner. It is not inner. It is not inner. It is see. Because if you're not born again, what kind of heart do you have? Yes, a dead one. It's a darkened one. Your foolish heart is darkened. Gang, the way that you will ever do this is when you get a new heart. And that new heart is given to you in the work of regeneration so that I can then see it. But before that, Ezekiel chapter 36 says that you've got a heart of, what? No, I didn't say flesh. Stone. Stone. It's dead as a rock. And God says, I'm going to replace that heart of stone of yours. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Which means... You are now born from above. And there's a new spiritual heart that is beating beneath your soul. And now, for the first time, you, you see there's sin that has ravaged you. And you see your need for this Savior. And you embrace Him. With the heart. Guys, I'll tell you a little quick story. You know what? I thought we were going to finish 9 and 10 tonight. We're not. Um, I got to tell you, is Cindy, Cindy Shriver not here? Um, Cindy works the bookstore. You know, she's my secretary too. She kind of does a dual job. But yesterday, yesterday I had a three o'clock appointment with a young woman whose first name I don't even remember. I don't remember her first name because it was Japanese. It was Japanese. She was from Japan. <laughs> and she, uh, that's why she had a Japanese name. <laughs> it was something like Takeo, but that guy plays linebacker for the Buffalo Bills and went to Auburn. Um, but, but it was something like that. Um, but um, this was a 36-year-old woman who was... You know, little Japanese thing, tiny, tiny, tiny. She she um, weighed about 94 pounds. In fact, I even said that. You're not supposed to do that. But um, I even said this lovely young woman, and you're not supposed to do that either. But I said a lot of things you're not supposed to do. But did y'all know that my secretary, Cindy Shriver, was once a missionary in Japan?
But anyway, she was over there for some, and learned to speak Japanese. So yesterday, this little this guy has started coming to our church. He is a flight attendant for Northwest. He was based out of Detroit, but he they they he went to a motley crew um, concert in Las Vegas seven years ago, I think, or five years ago. And at that concert, he meets a little Japanese girl named Takio, who doesn't speak a word of English. Well, this guy gets more and more serious about the Lord. Uh, finally transfers out of Detroit into Memphis and is now beginning to worship here, or does when he's in town. But he had kept this relationship with this little Takio from Tokyo. I got that Takio wrong. It couldn't be Takio into Tokyo. <laughs> that couldn't be right. But it's something like that. <clears throat> but anyway, I get a phone call last week. I get a phone call last week from a dear uh, Sean Colaget. Some of you know, might know Sean. and said, Jimmy, would you meet with this girl? She wants to become a Christian. And I said, well, of course I'll meet with the little girl. And she said, she has been told in Japan that she cannot become a Christian until certain things have been done. And this little guy, Steve, friend of hers, has been telling her, that isn't true, that isn't true. So ladies and gentlemen, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This little woman flew 4,000 miles. So she could come to my office and become a Christian. Now, I hope you're not, I hope that, I'm not trying to impress you. Because very frankly, in the providence of God, she was in the exact right spot. But not because I was in the room, but because Cindy Shriver was in the room. And so everything I was saying to her, this little girl could understand a little bit of English. But she would, she would turn to Cindy and say, and Cindy would say, back. And, and, you know, there she was. They were, and, and is he saying this? Yes, he's saying that. Do you understand this? Yes, I understand that. On and on and on they went as I, as simply as I could, tried to, to explain the gospel. I started with, this book we believe to be the final authority of faith and practice. I mean, I'm not the authority. This book is the authority. We believe everything in it. Yada, yada, yada. I believe that. In fact, she, she had a little Bible that had Japanese and English in it. New Testament. And then I started with sin. Then I went through the finished work of Christ and the gift of eternal life and, and, uh, that, that, that my sin was punished on, through the whole, as, as clearly and as simply as I possibly could. And this little girl is just, yes. Yes. And Cindy's over here just, you, you, yes. And now, let me tell you why I tell you that story. I looked at the, the, the boyfriend, Steve, who was in the room with us. And I said to Steve, there is no way to explain her. Accept the 
Holy Spirit of God went over to Tokyo and gave her the same heart that He's given me. She doesn't come from a Christian home. Her parents, if anything, are Buddhist, but they're not even that. But but I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, the, the reason that this child, it, it appears, wanted to have the same thing that you and I have is because this that happened in you happened in her. And because it did, she had eyes to see and ears to hear because God had given her a new heart. And that's the thing that embraces the finished work of Jesus Christ. It, it, was, a, it was a precious experience, but guys... What we have in the South, in evangelicalism, I'm telling you, is a far cry from this. What we have in evangelicalism is a an insistence upon some kind of decisionism, um, followed by walking forward underneath the greatest amount of emotional pressure that we can possibly muster and place on a human being. So that they will do something. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, I'm not saying that all of that is false. I'm not saying, but I'm saying it may not be this because it is regeneration. It is when God exchanges a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. That's the real thing. And if you are seated here tonight as one who has embraced this content, you know why you embraced it? Because Ezekiel 36 was performed in you. Your heart of flesh, that foolish heart that was darkened, was exchanged. God, in a sovereign act, reached into your soul and took out the one that was darkened and dead and gave you an alive one. And with it, you embrace this Savior of ours. That's what saving faith is, guys. It is the result of a heart that has been made new by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Spirit that went to Tokyo and picked up Tokyo and brought her 4,000 miles over to my office so Cindy Schreiber could, could, could translate the gospel for her. Guys, that's what saving faith is. Nothing less than that. Um, let me do this, and then and then we'll have to come back and, and clean up some messes next week. Um, gang, one of the things that 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 frightens me, not frightens me, but concerns me, if this thing were intellectual, if saving faith were a matter of of the head and not the heart, then then it would simply be a matter of me saying yes to certain um, uh, truths that I grasp. But because the emphasis of the New Testament and the Old is on the heart, there's an issue that seems to come up, or at least should come up. It's not the issue, it's not the most important issue, but it is an issue. And the issue is, 
the matter of assurance or certainty. If it were only an intellectual apprehension, then we could have a, a certitude just by signing on a dotted line that the above is something that I believe. But because the issue is one of the heart, one of the things that seems to trouble God's people is this matter of, of assurance. It wouldn't be a problem if it was intellectual, but because it's a hard issue. <clears throat> the question of, of assurance, of necessity, I think, arises. That is, what I mean is, to what extent should we know that we are saved? And to what extent can we know? Guys, um, just a quick history lesson. Um, one of the issues of the Protestant Reformation was just this one. Not so much this, but this assurance that grew out of something has happened to... By the way, did anybody feel it when you got your new heart? Well, how can you be so certain of it? That's what I'm talking about. To what extent can I be certain that my heart is new and that I do embrace this with my heart? Roman Catholicism says that that is a damnable, this is a quote, a damnable and pernicious heresy. That is, the possession of assurance is a damnable and pernicious heresy. In Roman Catholicism, even when they die, there's not a certainty. Why? Because then they have to go to purgatory. Um, so the Protestant Reformation came about and said, no, 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 no. Um, that there can be a certainty, um, a certainty that grows out of the Holy Spirit's confidence in this book and his inward testimony to me. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you believe and love this thing, let me tell you where you got that. You got it from the Holy Spirit of God. All this stuff in here about walking on water and turning water into wine and raising the dead and all that business. If this is something that you believe, it's because it's the product of a new heart. But gang, there is, there is so much confusion, I think, even among evangelicals. For instance, I've got a dear friend, and I adore her, who says that if you don't know the day on which you were saved, you are not saved. So, you who are seated here tonight, and don't know the day, the moment, the event, hmm, Gang, that is such a cruel thing. That is such a cruel thing to do to people. Folks, because this work of the Spirit is something that is unquantifiable, uh, invisible, you know, I wonder when little Takiyo really came to grasp. I don't know when it was. I'm not sure it was in my office. It may have been. But I'm telling you, everything that I was saying to her, she was nodding her head. My point is, it could have happened on the plane over. It could have happened in Tokyo. That's not important. What is important is that the Holy Spirit of God has given you a confidence 
that this is true and the promises contained therein are applicable to you. If you believe that, you believe that because the Holy Spirit granted you the ability to believe that. Now, one other thing, and then I'm done for the night. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10. All right, guys. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15. Paul is speaking and he says, We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases. Again, that's all I want you to see. I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul says that there is, among the people of God, a process by which faith increases. Um, Can you see it in you? Can you see that there was a time that this was a struggle, but it's no longer a struggle? Can you see that there was a time that there were certain convictions, but now those convictions are with you no more, that you were convicted of some... There, there, there used to be a time that I used to believe, but I don't believe that. Because there is, a, there is a process of maturation that is taking place in your soul. Faith is something that grows. But here's the problem. As faith grows... As faith um, varies, so can assurance. And that's, that's a hard thing for God's people. Because some of you may find yourself in, in positions where, I mean, there's, there's a million and one reasons why, but let me just give you one that, that comes easily to my mind. Let's say that you've just done something that you're ashamed of. And you're very embarrassed about it. And you don't want anybody in the rest of this room to know about it. Um, something that you did that was really stupid. You blew it. Gang, in the midst of those seasons where you are infatuated with your wealth or something worse another person beside your spouse. In the midst of those seasons where faith is diminished, one of the possible outcomes is assurance is diminished. Very frankly, I hope your assurance is robbed of you if you're living in an affair, for instance. I hope it is taken from you. Not to say that you're not a believer, but you certainly have no right to think you're one living like that. All I'm saying, guys, is if you're in a period where there is a variance in your certitude, don't let that throw you. Faith increases. Faith grows. And along with it, so does assurance the sense of quietude of my own soul, that yes, I am His and He is mine. That is something brought about by the inward work of the Holy Spirit making you more and more into the likeness of Christ. So, I'll even go this far, guys. 
I think there are times where God, for his own reasons and his own purposes, steals your assurance. He takes it from you. He robs you of it. And one of the reasons that I think he does that is so that spiritual things will grow all the more precious to us. And so we live in this season of questioning our own standing. And through that period, spiritual certitude becomes all the more precious to us. And once it's restored, and it will be, I, I, um, I value spiritual things far more highly. I'm saying that this matter inevitably comes up because saving faith requires that your belief is performed with this new thing that the Spirit of God has placed within your soul. Hope that's helpful. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will uh, calm and and, um, and grant sweet peace to all of your people. A peace that, that um, they will not soon forfeit nor treat lightly. That they will um, enjoy a confidence, not that's built on their performance, but a confidence that is built on the finished work of Christ that has become oh so precious to us because you gave us a new heart. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you gave us a new heart. And it is that heart that belongs to you, Lord Jesus, which means all of me the totality of me, the center of me, the entirety of my personality, it all belongs to you. And I am oh so glad. Lord, might your people leave tonight with a great sense of certainty, assurance, peace, confidence, because the Holy Spirit has spoken peace to their souls. We ask it, of course, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.